You are listening to Peace Perspectives, produced by Nonviolence International Southeast Asia. In this episode, we speak with Peter Kuwa, the head of Rev Media Group, to discuss perspectives on the different applications of AI in the private, public, and economic spheres as part of our series on artificial intelligence and emerging technologies. This episode was made possible with the support of Heinrich Böll Stiftung. Welcome. To those of you listening in, my name is Pauline Gorospa-Savage, and this is Peace Perspectives on Artificial Intelligence and Emerging Technologies. I'm joined today by Mr. Peter Kua, who is the head of Rev Media Group, and whose area of expertise and research interests are in disruptive technologies, particularly big data, AI, and data science. He's joining us from Kuala Lumpur today. Glad to have you with us today, Peter. Hi there from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. My name is Peter Kwa, currently uh, working from home, and we are fighting our third wave of the uh, COVID pandemic. And I am also the founder of uh, Disruptive uh, Tech Institute, and it's an organization that seeks to find meaning of being human in the age of disruptive technologies. Today, we will talk about developments in the application of AI, which has become quite widespread, especially in the last decade. Now, when we speak of AI, we're talking about a degree of intelligence that is demonstrated by machines. When compared to humans, it's the ability of these machines to perform certain commands or tasks that humans can perform, from the basic things, such as packing boxes for delivery, to the more complex, such as identifying people. And we're seeing more and more of these AI-enabled or at the most basic automated systems, taking the place of humans to increase efficiency or productivity or precision, for example, very positive effects or outcomes. But because these AI systems are also replacing the tasks of humans, naturally they would also have a disruptive effect on society. And this is where I would like to start the discussion with Peter. Now, your work is in researching how these types of technologies could be disruptive in many ways, changing the way industries deliver their services to coming up with more innovative ways to actually deliver those services, such as in the delivery of goods during these times of COVID, or for example, the robot dog in Singapore that would go around and remind people to keep social distancing. So. I'd like to ask you, what are your views on the current trajectory or trend AI development and its applications on science and technology and in industry? The artificial intelligence or AI we have today is termed as artificial narrow intelligence, sometimes referred to as weak AI, and it specializes in one single area. So... We see plenty of real-world deployment of this kind of uh, AI in, for example, in manufacturing where we do things like predictive maintenance, in the e-commerce websites where you see a lot of product recommendations. Shopee has them, Amazon has them. In banking, very popular credit scoring, that's an application of AI. In playing chess or even AlphaGo or even in the future driverless cars. Yeah, so we are still very far. I mean... We are still very far off from general human intelligence since we ourselves don't have full knowledge of our own brains and how they function. So it is actually quite difficult to replicate them. But theoretically, you know, it's possible to create 
a set of algorithms to mimic the human brains. And many, many AI experts uh, seem to concur that uh, we could possibly create artificial general intelligence in, in about 40 years, by the year 2060. So that's the current state of AI and uh, where it's going. So what do you think are the general benefits of having these AI applications? And do you think there are also downsides? So like I said, the current AI uh, that we see is, is a narrow AI and it, it really specializes in one single area only. And uh, we see a lot of very, very good usage in many, many industries. Like for example, in oil and gas, we use AI to predict where the next oil well is going to be in the media industry. We do a lot of natural language processing to process the, the thousands and thousands of articles that, that the editors write on a day, on a, on a weekly or monthly basis. In driverless cars, AI is actually helping us uh, get rid of the uh, subjective judgment, you know, when we drive and to really make the cars uh, safer. So if we talk about the downsides of AI, downsides of AI is not really in the technology itself. It's actually people and their lack of foresight. People are inherently biased. And we seem to think that engineers and data scientists are the only people who are responsible for AI's development and performance, both in the lab and in the real world. And this is a real, and this is a really big mistake to assume that when we talk about AI ethics. I kind of want to jump off from what you mentioned earlier about certain uses of AI in commercial industries, for example, in targeted advertising and determining the preferences of people. How do you feel about the use of AI? And you were, in fact, talking about the flaw is not really in the technology. It's in how these are applied by other people, not necessarily those who invented the technology, but non technical people or non-scientists who may have uses for this. So how do you feel about the use of AI in these applications, for example, to amass big data or, for example, in what amounts to surveillance? In terms of uh, using AI in surveillance, right, I feel that uh, big data and AI, they have to be used to benefit and empower humanity whether it's used for surveillance or for other things, right? So, for example, if you read schools in China, they, they have actually installed CCTVs to monitor their students' uh, performance. And AI is actually used to automatically detect if these students are paying attention or sleeping in class. And the results are actually sent to the parents' phone every single week. Now, if these insights are used to punish the students, then it's not empowering the student at all. But if the insights are used to understand their strengths, weaknesses, and their motivation and dreams, then that is the right usage of AI. Do you think that humans can become obsolete in the future, replaced by AI? Now, you mentioned that AI that we have right now actually is only capable of performing certain rudimentary tasks, but has a lot of potential also in the future. So do you think humans can be replaced completely uh, in certain tasks by AI? That's a really interesting question. Now, let's talk about jobs, for example. Okay, We all know that narrow AI will likely automate a range of routine, routine roles, but it will be much more difficult for machines to replace humans in less routine jobs that demand a wide range of skills and in unpredictable circumstances. So in healthcare, for example, 
we have many doctors or GPs, general practitioners who are performing routine work. They look at medical data, they analyze it, and they produce a diagnosis. Now, if we look at nurses in contrast, they require good motor and emotional skills in order to give things like, in order to give a painful injection, for example, replace a bandage, or to restrain a violent patient. And mind you, right, these are a wide range of skills in, in a very unpredictable hospital environment. So my prediction is your cookie cutter doctor, right, will probably be replaced by an AI family doctor sitting in a smartphone, whereas it, it will be years or decades before we are able to build a reliable robot nurse. And I read an article by Kai Fu Li, who is an AI expert, and he's the ex-president of Google China. I'm going to quote him. There was once where somebody actually created a robot to, to take care of the elderly. It's a wonderful robot. It did all kinds of things. It, it woke people up when they needed to. It reminded them of medicine and could order food, call the doctor, entertain the elderly. But the inventor soon noticed that the old folks, right, only use one function in the robot, which is customer service. Seriously, they would click on customer service and a video of a person comes on and the elderly person says, how come my daughter has not called today? Let me show you a photo of my granddaughter. It really shows that people do not want robots to take care of them. That's actually a very interesting point and a kind of an eye-opening example about the preferences of people and that as a society may not really be open, like completely open to replacing human beings in certain services. How about in augmenting or improving human capabilities using technology? There was a recent news about Elon Musk unveiling possibly a chip um, or a transplanted chip in someone's brain, of course, they demoed it in the pig, but they claim that it could improve certain neural functions and could potentially be used to treat certain diseases with debilitating mental function or use. Is this something that, well, medically seems positive, but would you think that this crosses certain ethical lines? Would it um, necessarily affect a human being's control of themselves? I mean, what degree of human control could be subsumed or replaced by certain augmented AI systems that could improve supposedly human capabilities? I think that in an AI-driven world, right, human control or intervention is really necessary because after all, we, we are living in this world and we are dealing with other human beings in the real world, you know, humans with emotions and feelings. And uh, only humans have the ability to be um, compassionate and loving, not robots and AI. So yes, it's wonderful that AI is used to augment uh, human capabilities, just like the nurse that I was talking about. In fact, one of the future jobs in the next 20 to 30 years would be the uh, AI-assisted nurse. And uh, AI would really help the nurse do so many things, like, for example, lift a very heavy patient, be able to help in the diagnostics of medical results and all that. We can also get AI to um, do the repetitive and uh, dangerous jobs. But again, when AI takes over repetitive and dangerous jobs, we have humans who would lose their jobs. And we need to make sure that we upskill the people who have lost their jobs to AI. Now, I kind of want to go back to um, the use of 
uh, AI, for example, in surveillance and targeted advertising. This kind of system has also been used, especially in social media platforms, to spread misinformation, astroturfing, it, the creation of online echo chambers. And it has led to the either intended or unintended effect of creating more hardline or more extreme views either to the left or the right. One example is, and these can have, you know, real world effects. For example, in the Facebook and Cambridge Analytica scandal where Facebook was used to mine certain information that was then used to advise uh, political candidates on what the preferences of voters are. So although it might be beneficial and more maybe more helpful for consumers to have certain targeted advertising, a system that caters to their interests and their needs, but there's also the other side of it that this kind of peek into someone's personal profile can also be used to target them to think a certain view or to change their behaviors or their thinking about certain things. So what do you think are ethical or moral lines that are crossed when big data is used in these kinds of applications? So there is this AI startup that has managed to scrape 3 billion faces, seven times more than what the FBI has. And the police have actually used this AI startup to solve criminal cases in less than 20 minutes. So the thing is, if this system falls into the wrong hands, it could also be exploited to do things like, I can use it to stalk people that I'm obsessed with, I can use it to blackmail people, and I can use it to punish activists, for example. But some people have come to the conclusion that because data is constantly, data and information constantly increases. By the way, this AI startup, right? who scrape the 3 billion faces, they actually scrape it, scrape it from, from the internet, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or whatever. So some, some people have concluded that because this information is so easily available and keeps on increasing, there is never going to be privacy. So are we all heading towards some kind, some kind of dystopian future? So all this becomes very unethical when people feel that AI abuses them through biasness. For example, AI sentencing more black people, AI not recognizing the faces of colored people, AI rejecting loan applications from women, when AI victimizes them through manipulation, just like what Cambridge Analytica did to harvest millions of Facebook profiles and to try to influence their voting choices. Or, you know, things like Facebook using algorithms to throttle the traffic to progressive media sites. Now, that's a very clear case of misinformation. But things like using AI for targeted advertisement, I personally think that it's really wonderful because it's personalization, you know. But again, you need to allow people to choose if they want AI to work on them or not. You need to empower people to make that decision for themselves and not just simply shove it down the throat. If people do not want Facebook to personalize what they should read, then they should have the power to turn AI off. Now, you mentioned that the technology itself is more or less neutral and less imbued with certain biases of whoever created it or whoever is using it. Do you think that AI can be taught morality and ethics? In other words, would it be possible to eliminate biases in AI systems 
for example, from those instances that you just mentioned, AI being used uh, unjudiciously to judge people of color, you know, with, I guess, with greater um, penalty more than, than others or targeting certain people or in facial identification technology, not being actually able to identify people of color better than Caucasians. Do you think it's possible to eliminate biases then in AI systems and teach it morality and ethics? You know that morality actually comes in many, many facades. And we all know that AI systems are subjected to biasness uh, simply because of the very people training them are biased, whether intentionally or not. Now, for example, we have seen many facial recognition systems failing to recognize people who are not Caucasians, as you, as you rightly pointed out. In face, uh, in fact, Google's photo categorization software labeled uh, black people as gorillas, you know, back in 2015. My view is uh, AI can definitely revolutionize the world, but it is also crucial to recognize AI's limitation. It is possible to eliminate biasness in AI, but we just need more than data scientists to do it. We need to include people from all kinds of backgrounds, ethnicities and gender. In fact, we need inputs and expertise from people who are not tech savvy. Okay. So let me give you an example. Okay. Remember Microsoft Tay, right? The Twitter chatbot that Microsoft claimed would get smarter as more and more people engage with it. Well, people started gaming the system. They started chatting with it and feeding it all kinds of racist remarks. And in less than 24 hours, in fact, in about 16 hours, the chatbot literally turned into a racist. A lot of this could have been avoided if the data scientists and the engineers in Microsoft had worked with people who specialize in human conversation, such as the linguists, copywriters, novelists, or even comedians. And these are the people who are non-tech savvy. So if you want to build an ultimate chatbot that really works, you have to combine AI and linguistics. Now, you mentioned earlier AI databases and people's photos taken from, harvested from social media accounts and other public accounts. Clearview AI um, clearly giving access to law enforcement or governments to use these databases um, to solve cases, but could also use it actually for political reasons. How do you think we should address the lack of transparency and developing these AI systems for the use, for example, of law enforcement or the government or for corporate use, because I've noticed, or maybe other people have also noticed that a lot of these scandals only emerge when, you know, they've been discovered, when there's a whistleblower or somebody reported it to journalists, but we only find out after the fact, after the damage has been done. And clearly there's lack of transparency in the development of these systems so that people most of the time are kept in the dark. So how do you think we should address that lack of transparency? Or how do we ensure that corporations and governments that use these kinds of technologies for their own purposes will not use it to the detriment of human rights? It's a very interesting question and it's not an easy question to answer as well because because of the current unregulated uh, usage of AI, um, obviously there has been a lot of backlash from society. So, so the key word here is backlash from society, right? 
even Google, you know, one of the heaviest AI proponents thinks that AI needs to be regulated. But it's like it's like secret companies declaring that we need to regulate tobacco, you know. Um, and the reason many companies pay lip service to AI ethics is because it directly it directly conflicts with how these companies profit from AI through the invasion of our privacy, taking jobs away, selling uh, autonomous weapons. So uh, sad to say, right? Idealism will always fall to financial pressure. So how do we ever balance ethical ethical usage of AI and the need to make money? Is it even possible? Actually, the answer is yes. As we have seen in recent months and years, in terms of privacy and AI regulation in companies, we are making progress due to pressure from civil society itself. So, like for example, a few months ago, uh, IBM actually walked away from offering offering general purpose facial recognition software. They will no longer develop or research the technology for mass surveillance, racial profiling, violation of basic human rights and freedom. So the, uh, the discussion of AI ethics has to start at the grassroots level, at the employee level, so that society can push for changes. In this case, regulated usage of AIs in companies, you know. So if, if, if a company doesn't, doesn't comply, then we don't give you the business as simple as that. So in another example, right, um, in Facebook and in Facebook and Google, you know, you have employees walking out when they don't agree with the ethics of the company. You have like in last few months, we had, uh, advertisers pulling out their ad budgets from Facebook because of the perceived uh, misinformation and hate speech. And these companies had to really rethink their ethics and how they deploy uh, AI software. It is also very important for our government to take the lead to stimulate AI ethics conversation among its citizens so that people are empowered and with knowledge of their rights and put the pressure where it needs to be put. Similarly, citizens can also pressure the government to do the right thing. If not, you know, out they go in the next election. So the key here is to empower the people with AI and data ethics knowledge and empower them so that they know their rights. Now, what do you think would be the kind of policies that people should be fighting for, that people should be pressing or pressuring the governments for, the kind of policies that would be useful to steer the development of AI in a way that promotes its ethical use or regulated use, as you mentioned, or at least monitored use with some accountability, promotes equality and uh, economic development without impinging on certain rights. What do you think are the kind of policies that people should be pushing their governments for? So besides the push from uh, civil society, I think every country needs an AI ethics uh, framework that will provide guidance to the industry to deploy technologies like AI in a very ethical manner. And the framework's content for each country would be very different. Because every country has its own uh, national focus. For example, Singapore is very focused on achieving a smart nation, for example. Japan is very focused on Society 5.0, where they need to integrate technologies like AI to assist its aging population. So framework for each country is going to be very different. Because also, right, AI is, is not just a technological achievement. It is also a very highly creative one. So it is very important that policies surrounding the development of AI address broader social debate. 
where most of the participants are not tech savvy. It should not just be decided by data scientists building mathematical models because AI is never an independent field by itself. It is inspired by the brain and neuroscience. It is also inspired by cognitive science, philosophy, psychology, sociology, biology, evolution, and even anthropology. So the development of AI, right, must have all the above mentioned fields of study. Then only we would have artificial intelligence that is ethical and that would put people and the planet first. We would then have AI that is uh, transparent, genderless, unbiased, and empower and enrich as many people as possible in this, in this world. And with that, I'd like to conclude our episode. This has been a truly wonderful conversation. And Peter, thank you so much again for joining me. But I'd like to ask, is there a best way to reach you in case our listeners want to follow your work? Yes, of course. Um, uh, we do talk a lot about these kind of topics, you know, big data, data science, ethical usage of AI and data in our Big Data Malaysia Facebook group. The link uh, is shown to you guys. The group has about close to 9,000 members today. So if you're interested, just join us there so that we can continue our discussion. Thank you very much. And of course, that link is in the description of our podcast episode today. And this has been Peace Perspectives on AI and Emerging Technologies. We hope you enjoyed our episode. Thank you for listening. This has been Peace Perspectives on Artificial Intelligence and Emerging Technologies, produced by Nonviolence International Southeast Asia. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash nonviolenceasia and Twitter with Twitter handle at nonviolenceasia. Thank you for listening.